0: Matt Schaff and Jared Smoll of DraftSharks.com here to preview week 16 of the fantasy football season. It is semifinals week in most formats, whether this is the first round of your playoffs or the second round or half of a two-week final or whatever it is for your league. All the decisions are magnified this time of year. As always, we got our weekly rankings Set by Tuesday, we talk them over as a staff Tuesday afternoon, just like we do every week. And we're going to keep looking at the injury reports, at the news, at coach comments, even stat trends that we become more aware of during the week, make updates as needed or as we believe are needed right up until kickoff. So, you know, not only check back with the rankings throughout the week to make sure that you've got the latest version of what we expect to happen this week, use your team Intel page because that takes those projections we're talking about here, applies them to your scoring format, and it factors in upside and tailoring the player recommendations to your specific team and situation for this week. Like I've said on the show many times throughout the year, That page is going to give you better answers than I will this week because I'm still a human. I'm still going to second guess things. Those are the results of several humans getting together, thinking about the stuff, discussing, setting the numbers, and then applying those numbers to the math that spits out the recommendations for your specific lineup. Jared, speaking of the rankings movement, the changing projections during the week, Anybody that you can think of that's already made a move since we set things just Tuesday of this week?
1: Yeah, I think Matt Stafford was a significant one because we're going to talk about some quarterback spot start options for this week. I know, you know, we have teams that are going to be missing CJ Stroud again. Uh, If you've been starting Trevor Lawrence, you you might need a spot starter for, for week 16 here. And we're not going to talk about Stafford. I think he's sort of too obvious, maybe too owned to make the spot start list, but I think he is. A better option than all these other spot starters we're going to talk about, at least at least to me. Um, you know, Stafford felt a little underwhelming last week against Washington. He did throw two touchdowns though for the fourth straight game. You look at like the completion rate and the yards per attempt; it was all really strong. It was really Kyron Williams' couple fumbles that kind of prevented Stafford from potentially um, scoring some more touchdowns. So, gets a middling Saints pass defense tonight. Actually, Thursday night. Um, Stafford's at home, so no weather concerns in that game. The Rams have a twenty-five. Point imply total that's sixth highest on the week so Stafford feels like a pretty safe option to me if you are one of these teams that you know doesn't have one of these top you know six or seven locked in starters
0: I agree and of course safe is always in air quotes whether you can see them or not because we all (laughs) know how fantasy football works you can play Josh Allen and get a disappointing week you can suddenly have Patrick Mahomes turn into a QB too so there's no true safety we're going for the best bets here and then you know hoping that luck plays with us. So what we want to do is set ourselves up to take advantage of luck and not be totally beholden to it. And Jerry, let's start that spot start QB discussion. Spot starter might seem like a mistake at fantasy playoff time. You know, people might hear that and think, I'm not looking for a spot starter or a flyer or, you know, a streamer at this time of year. I want to start my studs. The problem is, unless you have Josh Allen or Jalen Hurts or apparently Brock Purdy, Every week, QB yeah. studs don't exist this year. Joe Flacco sits fourth in fantasy points per game for the season right now among quarterbacks. C.J. Stroud leads Patrick Mahomes in fantasy points per game. The top six quarterbacks in total fantasy points over the past three weeks are Brock Purdy, Jake Browning, Matthew Stafford, Trevor Lawrence, who looks like he probably won't play this week because of a concussion, Joe Flacco, And Baker Mayfield and Jared—that's the first guy we're going to talk about in this spot starter area. Baker Mayfield, how strong a starter is he for Week 16 of this fantasy season?
1: Yeah, and again, you know we do have
0: these injured quarterbacks.
1: I know Dak's coming off a bad game. I think you're sticking with him this week. I think Patrick Mahomes is coming off one of his better games this season. He gets a nice matchup against the Raiders, so you're sticking with him. But I think guys like Tua Tagovailoa, who you know has cooled off and gets a pretty tough Cowboys pass defense with a really banged up offensive line. I think Kyler Murray, if you've been using him, you know he gets a really tough Bears defense so I think those are the types where you might be considering some of these spot starters I think you know, among this list we're going to talk about Baker Mayfield is my favorite option this week I would start him over Tua I would start him over Kyler Murray this week obviously Baker coming off the, the massive game last week against the Packers um, earned his best pro football focus passing grade of the year last week that was his sixth Quarterback one finish, his six top 12 quarterback finish on the season. Four of those have come in his last seven games, though. So he has been uh, more productive lately. And Baker gets a really nice matchup this weekend against Jacksonville. They are 27th in adjusted fantasy points allowed quarterbacks on the season. Over the last five weeks, the Jags are 25th in pass defense DVOA. They've allowed a 70% completion rate and 8.2 yards per attempt over those last five weeks. So I wish Trevor Lawrence would play to give this game more upside and maybe push Mayfield, but I still think the matchup's good enough where he's going to
0: have plenty of success when he does throw. And I mean it's also possible that this Bucks defense is weak enough that the Jaguars can still score some points and make this mm-hmm. an interesting game and help that production. I think Baker Mayfield's close to Matthew Stafford in terms of usability this yep. week. I don't have a strong take between them. If that's your coin flip, it's really a coin flip. And kind of to the point about Patrick Mahomes, you know, make sure that this is your decision this week. If you come and say, "Do I start Joe Flacco mm-hmm. over Patrick Mahomes this week because he's been outscoring him for 3 weeks now?" I mean, mean the answer is joe flacco definitely could outscore patrick mahomes this week so it's kind of up to you to decide can you live with yourself if you end up losing because patrick mahomes outscores joe flacco and flacco is the one that you put in your lineup if you can fine go ahead and take that shot i'd be playing patrick mahomes in that case but make sure that you actually look at reality and don't just think of your starter as a stud because of his full season numbers. Two was another good example that you mentioned. You know, you say he's cooled off lately. He's really made wild swings in production up and down throughout the season. That was the guy that we thought he was coming into the year. That's been the case right. this year. And I think this week, favors Miami trying to do it on the ground and presents a big challenge in pass defense against Dallas. So I agree that Tua's is down in QB two territory. I would start Baker over him and maybe a couple of the other guys we're talking about here. Baker Mayfield is not only interesting this week, but next week gets a matchup at home against the saints. That's already produced a good outing for him back in week four of this season. And Baker Mayfield, like if, if he still makes you uncomfortable just realize that he he hasn't killed you at all this year, even when he hasn't had great weeks, he's only had two fantasy finishes lower than q b twenty. And that doesn't sound like a good level. But, you know, one of the things we know about q b is there's small margins between the spaces. like q b twenty a lot of weeks is going to be very similar to q b twelve. Um, mm-hmm. you know, it might differ by a couple of points. So Baker Mayfield's got a pretty high floor this year. He's finished QB 14 or higher seven of the past nine weeks, and he's finished QB 12 and two the past two weeks. So a pretty good option for you in week 16. Jordan Love at Carolina, Jared, is that another quarterback that's a good option? Pretty good season. He's been pretty good lately. Is he a good week 16 option though?
1: He is. Yeah. I mean, I think Love is the, in this list, the player I feel best about you know how he's been playing really over the past you know a couple months now and fantasy wise top 12 in five of his last six games for Jordan Love um he's fifth in PFF passing grade over that span so again I feel best about the player um I don't like that Christian Watson's probably out again Jaden Reed might be out again for for Green Bay so that hurts obviously. And then this matchup, you know, this Carolina matchup. The Panthers are second in adjusted fantasy points allowed to quarterbacks. And it's really not because it's a great pass defense. If you look at pass defense DVOA, they're 17th in the NFL. So they're an average pass defense. Carolina's just faced the fewest pass attempts in the NFL because one, their run defense is worse than their pass defense, and two, they can't score. They're always playing from behind, you know, teams are able to run on Carolina with leads. The one thing that should help Love here is Green Bay is second in pass rate over expected over the last four weeks. So they have leaned pretty heavily towards the pass. So, I think the pass rate will be down in this matchup, but I don't think it's going to be down so much where, you know, Love won't have a a solid fantasy game. I think the ceiling's probably not huge for him in this spot, but I think he's a a safe bet for for decent production.
0: We have him in QB2 territory in the rankings, so nobody is too high on him. We certainly recognize the matchup. I'm a little bit less enthusiastic about Jordan Love than you sound this week. His volume has been up. You know, you mentioned the pass rate being up. 32 and a half pass attempts per game through week nine this season, 37.7 per game over his past six games. That's included three losses, which tend to elevate passing volume, a three-point win over the Chargers. Then the passing volume was down a little bit versus those games in those contests against Detroit and Kansas City that they won by seven and eight points. Doesn't look like Christian Watson will play. Jaden Reed's looking pretty iffy. If Reed doesn't play in this game, I'm probably pushing for Jordan love dropping further down our rankings, especially when you look at the matchup and the fact that they're five point road favorites against this awful Carolina team. I think it just might be an ugly game that they win like, Seventeen to 9 or 17-6, and there just aren't that many points to farm here.
1: Yeah, that's that's definitely possible. That's the concern. But, again, I think think when Love does throw, he'll have success. Um, Even if those wide receivers are out. We're going to talk about Dante being Wix in a bit here. I think he's been impressive lately. I think Romeo Dobbs is fine. Tucker Craft is fine. I think there's enough. Again, I I don't think Love is a great bet for, like, top 10 numbers this week, but I don't think he's going to hurt you if you have to use him.
0: Yeah, I wouldn't go crazy finding a replacement. Just, you know, maybe don't get too excited. Joe Flacco next on the list at Houston. And Jared, I think this is one that I would play over Jordan Love. We talked about the passing volume for Love. Flacco has thrown 44 plus times <laughs> in each of his three starts. And that's the same thing we saw from him with the Jets. You know, part of it is that he's this tall quarterback with a big arm. So he can make the throws that you want. Another part is that he's not scrambling anywhere. So nothing's turning into a run and he doesn't take that many sacks. So he's, he'll, he'll get rid of the ball. So I think I'm chasing that passing volume here against Houston in a game that even if CJ Stroud's not playing like the Browns aren't a lock to actually play with a lead yeah or run away with the game. So, you know, is Flacco a lock for production? No, but I think down in the range we're looking at, I feel a little bit better about him, especially with his receivers than I do about Jordan Love.
1: I mean, I think Flacco has a chance to throw it another 40 plus times. I think, you know, 35 plus Attempts is pretty safe. And for all the reasons you mentioned, the two other things I would add, Cleveland has been running a ton of plays all season. They lead the league with 71 and a half offensive plays per game. They're at 70 plays per game over the last three weeks, which is a top six mark in the NFL. And they've been going pass heavy since Flacco took over 67% pass rate for the Browns over the last three games, 65% neutral pass rate for them over that span. So lots of plays and high pass rate is going to, you know, lead to lots of pass attempts. And now you get this matchup against Houston. Houston is fifth in run defense DVOA 23rd in pass defense DVOA. So it, you know, should be, a defense that teams are trying to attack through the air. So I don't see a reason for Cleveland to go away from that. I do wish CJ Stroud would play because I think that would, you know, elevate the upside for this game and, you know, make it more likely that the Browns are playing from behind. Um, So that hurts a little bit, but again, I I, I still think Flacco's going to throw 35 plus times. It's funny. I was looking at our projections last night. We have Flacco projected for the most passing yards in the NFL. Th- this week. Yeah. <laughs> so so I, I, don't, I don't know what kind of odds you could get on that. I'm, I'm sure you could find it somewhere, but I think it's it'd probably be a decent back. I'm sure he's not the favorite to lead the NFL in passing yards this week.
0: Yeah, you can get those alt yards um, at the very least and maybe get him uh, well above the market line for him. Mm -hmm. You know, he's sitting 16th in our QB rankings right now. I just mentioned I would play him over Jordan Love, who's directly in front of him. Russell Wilson's the next guy up, then Kyler Murray. I would be just fine with playing Flacco over both of those guys. Kyler Murray's facing a tougher defense in the Bears than Joe Flacco is with Houston. Based on what we've seen lately, it seems crazy versus the beginning of the season, but I would say that that's the case. Geno Smith, I don't think I would play Flacco over because he looks like he's back to full health. He's got a nice Mm -hmm. set of receivers and a pass-favoring matchup. And then we get up to Tua, who I think... Might be a candidate to move down our rankings during this week.
1: I feel good about I mean, I guess Gino's the one guy I would consider starting Tua over. I think that's as low as I would go for, for Tua. You know, we'll see about the injuries. I, we're projecting Tyreek Hill in right now. We'll see about all the offensive line stuff. It's interesting. Yeah, That game has a higher over-under than last week's Dallas-Buffalo game even did. So, you know, that game ended up disappointing from the Cowboys' side. But I still think there's shootout potential for, for that game. And um,
0: I'd have trouble starting Flacco over Tua this week. Gardner Minshew at Atlanta this week. Good spot for him. Now, he, I think, is a little bit different from the rest of these guys, or a lot of these guys, especially Joe Flacco and the couple that we're about to mention after this. He's given us more to judge him on this season because he's been playing for a while. And let's just look at exactly what we've gotten from Gardner Minshew. He took over for good in week six for Anthony Richardson. His fantasy finishes since then are QB 15, QB 3, QB 17, QB 23, QB 27, QB 15, QB 9, QB 20, QB 7. So if you look at those finishes, you might think, okay, cool. We'll just play um, Gardner Minshew in good spots and bench him in bad spots. Well, his best finish so far came against Cleveland. In his second start of the season, he had one touchdown two weeks ago in a 20 point loss at Cincinnati, which has been an excellent matchup for quarterback scoring and helped Nick Mullins put up fantasy points just last week. Gardner Minshew had no touchdown passes against Tampa. So if you know how to guess at what Gardner Minshew is going to do, I would love to hear it. I have no idea, and that makes me scared to play him this week, especially if Michael Pittman's not ready.
1: Yeah, the Pittman thing is key. We're projecting him out, which I think is why Minshew is maybe a bit lower than some of these other guys. I do think he has as high a ceiling, if not higher, than these other guys we've talked about so far, but I think Minshew's floor is lower because of you know just the results that you've mentioned so far. Um, I think that the things working in Minshew's favor this week, you know, He's at Atlanta, so in indoor game, no weather concerns. The game has a forty-four and a half point over/under, which is you know one of the higher uh, over/unders of the week. The Colts have a pretty solid twenty-one point seven five point implied total. That's actually tied with Baker Mayfield's Bucks implied total, higher than uh, the Browns or the Packers. You know, for Flacco or Love. So Atlanta is thirtieth in pass defense DVOA. So I think it is a good matchup. But again, I think you're really going to want Pittman to get clear from that concussion if you're you know thinking about playing. Gardner Minshew. It also looks like Jonathan Taylor is going to be back this week, which, you know, I think probably hurts Minshew a little bit, maybe pushes the, the Colts towards the run a little bit more.
0: Yeah. I think that also might just help the overall offense sure. over like using Trey Sermon as the top back this week. So <laughs> it might end up having a neutral impact. I'm yep. pretty easily playing Joe Flacco over Gardner Minshew. I'm very easily playing Baker Mayfield over Gardner Minshew. What about you?
1: Yeah, for sure. And I, I'm I'm playing Jordan Love over Minshew. again. I just trust the player and just the steadiness of the results more at this point.
0: Yeah, I would play Jordan Love over Minshew as well. That one's close enough where if you're like, no, but look at Minshew's numbers, I'm like, fine, you can use Minshew if you want. Jake Browning next on the list, a guy that, you know, we figured the Bengals offense was done once Joe Burrow went down and Jake Browning was stepping in. Has not been the case. And I mentioned earlier, he's been among the top six fantasy scorers at the position over the past three weeks. This week, however, he's at Pittsburgh and likely to be without Jamar Chase. What does that do to yeah. Jake Browning's outlook? Browning
1: over his three starts now is his finishes in fantasy points quarterback three, quarterback two, and quarterback 10. Um, now we talked about it last week. It, it's Still feels like a, a little bit fluky, and even last week, like the the T. Higgins touchdown late in the game, like he literally Browning just lofts it up to the front pylon. T. Higgins makes an amazing catch, an amazing you know stretch to get the ball over the pylon. So it still feels a bit fluky. Jake uh, I Browning, think the were,
0: by the way, called that one an ill advised throw
1: and an <laughs> <was>. amazing play. <laughs> yeah, he's he's honest. Uh, and Cincinnati's still eighth in pass rate over expected over the last four weeks, which has been primarily Jake Browning. So they haven't like you know shied away from letting Browning throw the ball. The Steelers are 27th in pass defense DVOA over the last five weeks. Now, most of the negative there has been the last two weeks when they allowed three touchdowns to Bailey Zappi and three touchdowns to Gardner Minshew. So it's a pass defense that's struggling coming into this one. So I think there, there's some upside for Browning. I would definitely use Baker Love and Flacco over Browning, and you know I, I think Minshew versus Browning is close. I mean, as you said, the Jamar Chase um, absence is obviously you know a pretty big uh, ding against Browning this week too.
0: Yeah, I would have pushed Browning up a little bit higher in that consideration, but with no Jamar Chase, I mean, that's a pretty significant loss for a guy that's still just got four games. I, you know, you mentioned the three good ones. There was a bad one right before that. So it's that's still 25 percent of the sample that we've gotten from Jake Brown. And we want to overlook it because of the three good fantasy outings. But, you know, you really shouldn't because the bigger the sample, the the better the results Nick Mullins has an even smaller example because we've got one start that we've seen from him in Minnesota. He now gets a positive matchup against Detroit, Jared. I think Nick Mullins will probably finish higher than our current QB 19 ranking, but what would you do with him this week? I, I think the... Yeah, it's easy to look at a guy and say he's too low. And then you start looking at the specific players and you're like, well, I'm not sure who I'd put him ahead of. We have Mullins just behind Minshew and Browning. And those three are, are
1: close enough to me. I would not argue if anyone wanted to start Mullins over Minshew. I, I just don't trust Mullins still. I know if you look at his final numbers last week, they look really nice. 303 three passing yards, two touchdowns, had the two interceptions, but a 79% completion rate, 9.2 yards per attempt. Again, I think a little flukiness in there i know the jordan addison touchdown was pretty incredible just for mullins to get it off and addison to make it a tough catch and then you know run most of the way for the score so uh if you look at pff passing grades mullins was 17th last week so he was fine he was you know kind of league average minnesota did go plus three percent pass rate over expected last week so you know again not to the extent of the Bengals with browning but you know minnesota didn't necessarily you know shy away from from letting mullins throw it he got Je- Justin Jefferson back last week. We'll have Jefferson again this week. And I, it, it is the matchup that I think makes Mullen most intriguing. The Lions 29th in adjusted fantasy points allowed to quarterbacks. They're also 29th in pass defense DVOA over the past five weeks. And this game does have some shootout potential. Again, it's another indoor game, 47 point over under. So the matchup could definitely boost Mullen's. Yeah. I mean, I think he, he's a guy who could finish top 12 this week if this game kind of blows up, but the, the floor on Mullen scares me a bit because I don't, I don't trust the player.
0: Yeah. Uh, he wasn't very good for like half of that game and then was better in the second half of it I would play him over Jake Browning assuming that there's no Jamar Chase this week because he does have his stud wide out um, Justin Jefferson in the lineup you mentioned Jordan Addison's big play last week TJ Hawkinson is another upside target for him whereas Browning is missing Jamar Chase so you know I think Couple that with the matchup against Detroit that I think is likely to find Minnesota trailing and has also been soft in pass defense. It's a potentially high upside spot for Mullins this week.
1: I think you convinced me. I think I think it'd be uh, Mullins, Browning, Minshew for me, assuming Pittman's out. But I, I do think I would start Mullins over those other two.
0: Yeah, I was thinking Mullins over Minshew as well, so I'm glad to hear you say that. Once it gets to Flacco, Jordan Love, um, I think it's a bit more of a coin flip. You can take a shot on Mullins if you want, but now you're talking about somebody with one start versus somebody with a pretty good 14-game stretch. Right. Yep. Now, moving on from the quarterbacks, Jared, Austin Eckler shouldn't be a question for us based on the player that he is and the terrific schedule finish that we thought we were going to get for him. But now the question in week 16 is, should I bench a guy that I probably drafted in round one? Yeah, I think Eckler is very benchable. I would almost want to bench him if I could. Um, and I know he's a
1: first round fantasy pick, so a lot of teams probably don't have the luxury of being able to bench him. But I mean, he he sits well into RB3 range even in our ppr rankings i'm just i mean look at last week for austin eckler in that embarrassing loss to the raiders on thursday night season lows in snap rate route rate rush attempt share now he didn't play much in the second half because that game was over even at halftime though eckler had just four of the chargers 11 running back carries he had just two targets at halftime so it seems like they were kind of you know easing off him anyways which i know brandon staley had talked about you know we'll see what the new coaching staff means for this offense but i'm not Excited about this offense. They have a 16-point implied total. Austin Eckler is a 28-year-old running back who is about to hit free agency on, on a dead team. So like he doesn't really have a reason to push it. I'd be nervous to use Austin Eckler in, in fantasy lineups this week.
0: He's been inefficient anyway this year. He's been dealing with injuries. His team sucked last week like to a degree that I didn't think was possible even when you lose your quarterback and go to Easton yeah. Stick. So the whole start your studs thing is worth it visiting, but make sure that you're actually talking about a stud, not a guy who should be a stud because of his name. Austin Eckler has not been a fantasy stud this year. You do not need to use him. I agree. I would like to bench him if I can. And one person I would certainly easily bench him for is Ty Chandler. And before we get any further on him, I'll give you credit, Jared. He's somebody that you keep talking up during the season. (laughs) I've been a little bit baffled at just how strongly you've been backing him behind the scenes when we're talking him in our rankings. But He showed out in that game against the Bengals last week, especially to the point where Kevin O'Connell's like, all right, we're going to actually try to give Ty Chandler the ball more now, and maybe we'll work in – Alexander Madison if he's ready
1: yeah I think Ty Chandler's a good bag and part of it's just ribbing you about the the Ty Chandler thing especially when he has you know a a big game in in the spotlight last Saturday but um I mean I think Ty Chandler's a better running back than than Alexander Madison I think the Vikings agree at this point now I don't even think Madison's gonna end up playing this weekend he did not practice on Wednesday I know some of the Twitter doctors we follow think that he suffered a high ankle sprain uh, you know a couple weeks ago so if that's the case you know he's not gonna play Madison does matter right like we we expect Chandler to lead the backfield even when Madison does return, but Madison would eat into his work a little bit. Without Madison last week, Chandler played 81% of the Vikings' offensive snaps, got 23 of the 24 running back carries, drew four targets for a 12% target share. So, you know, elite RB1 level usage. The matchup this week is much, much tougher. You know, he went off last week against a bad Bengals run defense. He gets the Lions on um, Sunday who have remained tough against the run. They've been bad against the pass, but still fourth in run defense DVOA on the season, allowing just 3.5 yards per carry through running back. So Chandler this week is more of a volume-based play. Like again, you you think he's a good bet for twenty plus touches again in this spot, which makes him a nice RB two. Just know, I I would not expect the type of efficiency from him that we got last week.
0: One interesting specific decision that I've gotten as a question already this week is Ty Chandler versus David Montgomery on either side of the same game, assuming PPR scoring. Who are you starting in your own lineup between Ty Chandler and David Montgomery?
1: Yeah, I'm just looking now. We
0: have them tied in
1: our PPR projections, twelve point eight apiece. So um. I think I would go David Montgomery just um, trusting his offense more in this spot again. I think the Vikings, yeah, I don't know. I'm waffling even now talking through it. um, I I do think Chandler's a Significantly better touchback if you factor in the, the you know receptions too, um, but I, I I still trust uh, Detroit's offense a bit more. I definitely like Montgomery's touchdown potential more, but it's it's, it's definitely close. I, I think they're both nice plays this week though.
0: The Detroit run defense is certainly worth factoring into to the decision. We mentioned last week that they just lost defensive tackle Ailam McNeil to IR. That's bound to hurt the run defense, and yet they put up their third best weekly run defense DVOA of all season against Denver last week. Now, maybe a key there is that they were playing Denver because the four (laughs) weeks before that, they allowed more than 100 rushing yards to each opponent. The Bears hit them up for more than 140 rushing yards both times. Of course, that is heavily influenced by Justin Fields. So all in all, this is a tough call and ultimately a coin flip. I think I would probably have to play David Montgomery in my own lineup because we're talking about Probably a better player, probably a decent workload, a Detroit team that is favored, that wants to run the ball, that will give him chances near the goal line, a guy that has produced for longer for us this season. Ty Chandler had an excellent game last week, but it is a game. And before that, he was okay at best. So, This is one of those instances where I think you do lean toward the guy who has done more for you. And you know what? If I end up losing because I trusted David Montgomery and the Lions over Ty Chandler and the Vikings, I'm going to be mad on Monday. But I think I can live with that. I'm not going to go back and be like, God, I'm such an idiot. Why didn't I play that awesome Ty Chandler? You know, I, I actually think Chandler is a bit safer,
1: though, because of the, the pass catching work. And I think Montgomery is the higher ceiling because he's the guy that could score, you know, two or three times. Um, because we know the Lions love running near the goal line, and Montgomery's the guy there. But I, again, I, I think Chandler ends up with more touches in this game. So he's probably slightly safer. But, but again, you know, they're, they're what? They're, um, you know, 16 and 17 in their running back rankings for the week. So if you're actually making that decision, needing to bench one of those guys, I think you're you're in pretty good shape.
0: And we always put, you know, safe in those air quotes. I mean, David Montgomery had three targets each of the past two games, so he's yep. not out of it if they uh, if they need to throw him the ball. And you know, we'll we'll see. Minnesota's defense is good as well. It's it's a tough one. I mean, <laughs> these are the decisions we got to make every yeah. week. with you with these being tough calls. It, it, it's definitely not a clear decision between these two guys in either direction. Yeah. Jared, is it a clear decision to start Devin Singletary? <clears throat> week 16 after he put up big numbers against a supposedly tough Tennessee run defense last year. I
1: mean, Singletary sits, you know, like, like well behind Ty Chandler and David Montgomery in our running back rankings. You know, he's more like a a fringy RB2 to me. The Texans have kind of been all over the map um, in terms of their running back usage since Damian Pierce returned from his ankle injury. I mean, Devin Singletary snaps in those four games, you know, the last four weeks with Pierce 82%, then it was down to 46% and 57% and then back up to 75% last week. Now I, you know, we've been saying all year that you know, Devin Singletary has just been the more effective running back this season. You know, t- to my surprise, I thought you know, Pierce was the better player coming into this year, but Singletary has just been better throughout the season. So the Texans should be leaning on him as their lead guy going forward as they did last week. And if they do this week, I do think it's a good spot for Singletary because the Browns are a team that you know they're 29th in pass rate over expected against on the season. So all season teams have been leaning on the run against the Browns and their run defense has been Quite a bit worse lately than it was. Browns were actually first in run defense DVOA over the first 10 weeks of the season. They are down to 17th in run defense DVOA over the last five weeks of the season, giving up 4.4 yards per carry to running backs over the last five weeks of the season. So, you know, with, with CJ Stroud likely out again, um, you know, it would make sense for the Texans to kind of, you know, lean on Singletary in the running game for as long as possible.
0: Like I said, with Nick Mullins earlier, I expect Singletary to finish higher than where he currently is in our PPR rankings. The tough part is looking at the players in front of him and knowing specifically who to put him ahead of, to get him higher in the rankings. I would probably start Singletary over Chuba Hubbard because even with CJ Stroud expected out for his concussion again, um, even with the tougher matchup for Houston against Cleveland overall, the Texans are implied for two and a half more points than the Panthers are. Carolina has been awful at scoring points this year. So we've got that. We've got Singletary as a better receiving bet in a matchup that could get more passes thrown his way. He's obviously been the better receiving back than Damian Pierce. So, If Cleveland does take a lead in this game and Houston's playing from behind, that's going to favor Devin Singletary's usage and he's just been playing better than Damian Pierce. So there's reason for Houston to lean in that direction going forward anyway, as they try to secure a playoff spot, Houston's a home dog again. So they could fall behind in this game and need that receiving back. I'd probably also start Devin Singletary over Josh Jacobs and Kenneth Walker. In my own lineup, Kenneth Walker's playing Tennessee. You know, we'll see about that run defense. It hasn't been great. And we'll see if Jeffrey Simmons plays because that changes the matchup for the Tennessee defense. I also wouldn't bet money on Saquon Barkley outscoring Devin Singletary this week. Now, I can't say that I would rank Singletary ahead of Barkley for the purpose of recommending it to other people. But if you're asking me to put money on Barkley outscoring Singletary this week, I wouldn't do
1: it. Yeah, I think I'm a bit higher on Barkley and Walker than you are. I would definitely play those guys over Singletary. The Eagles' run D has just been flat out bad for the past few weeks now. So I mean, it's still a bad spot for Barkley. They're, they're massive road underdogs, and you know, how many carries will he end up getting? But I do think he kind of some success when he does get carries, and he's involved enough in the passing game. Then yeah, Kenneth Walker, I started the week a little low on, but you know, we, we were talking on Tuesday, and I, I um, came up on him a little bit. Just you know, he he at least last week he reemerged. Is just the clear elite guy had a had a charbony for Seattle and their um favorites in that game against Tennessee. I, I think Singletary over Jacobs is a real debate there. I think you know Jacobs is tough because we know he's going to get the work, but how long are the, the Raiders going to stay close enough in that game to get him carry? So I think he comes with a pretty wide range of outcomes. I, I feel just as good about Singletary's volume this week as I do about Josh Jacobs. And if you
0: look back at Josh Jacobs' results against the Chiefs in the first meeting, it looks like he had a great game, but a lot of that was a single long run for a right. touchdown against KC. You know, we're not taking that out. He did it. So he could do it again. He's that kind of player, but you know, just make sure that, you know, that context in deciding which guy to use.
1: Yeah. And Jacob's coming off an injury too. So, you know, we'll kind of track um, what he's doing in practice throughout the week. That's a, that's a Monday afternoon game. Cause you know, we got to have three games on Christmas or two <laughs> yeah, games. Just... I can't even keep track.
0: Whatever it is. It's more football <laughs> than our wives would probably want on Christmas day. Mm-hmm. Speaking of injuries, the Bengals receivers are up next, and that is going to be shaped by this Jamar Chase injury. He's expected to miss this game. He played 71% of the snaps last week, so the Bengals finished that game with no Jamar Chase, but they played more of it with Chase than they did without. Jared, what does his absence do to this Bengals wide receiver core this week, both in terms of like what to expect in general and and whether we're using the next two guys up? Chase leaves behind
1: 26% of the Bengals targets, 9.4 targets per game, so obviously a big opportunity for these other guys and you know t higgins is is the first name to talk about here kind of reminded not not me i I love t higgins i think he's awesome i think he's probably underrated reminded everyone else how talented he he can be with that awesome touchdown catch he made last week but we got four games of t higgins without Jamar chase last year now these obviously all came with with joe burrow so that's uh, a big factor here that it's you know jake browning under center not joe burrow but in those four games without Jamar Chase last year, Higgins averaged nine targets per game on a 25% target share. So I think, you know, that's the type of volume you could be expecting this week. Higgins in those games, his PPR finishes, wide receiver 23, wide receiver 23, wide receiver four, wide receiver six. So he delivered in all four of those games. Um, again, I, I like the talent. I think he's going to get enough volume, even with the quarterback downgrade. I think Higgins is definitely someone to, you know, consider. He's um, like right around wide receiver two, wide receiver three fringe in our ranking. So, and then Tyler Boyd gets a bump too. I mean, he was not nearly as productive or busy without Jamar Chase last year. I think he's, you know, not nearly as as big a talent as D Higgins, but he does get a volume boost and, you know, that helps him a bit. But, you know, Boyd's still like, you know, deep in wide receiver four territory in our ranks. He's, he's not someone I'd be
0: trying to get into my lineup if I didn't have to. I think I'd play T Higgins even a little higher than we have him ranked right now. I would play him over Cortland Sutton. I feel better about him than Brandon. I think on the target front, especially the chance that he gets like real big target volume. If you told me one of those two guys gets 10 plus targets this week, I would say it's Higgins um, probably over Deandre Hopkins, even looking up inside the top 20. So I, I like T Higgins this week, you know, any wide receiver in that range can let you down in a given week, but he looks yep. well set up to produce this week with opportunity. <laughs> yeah, especially to Higgins. I mean, we know he can, he can let us
1: down. That's definitely in his range of outcomes. The, the one thing I have factored into his ranking and projection year two is how good Joey Porter Junior has been for the Steers. and he has been one of the rare corners that's been shadowing, you know, maybe not every snap, but quite a bit. He's been following top wide receivers around. So I do think that's the matchup T Higgins is going to get for most of at Saturday game, right? I'm trying to keep all these straight um, on Saturday. Now, again, I think Higgins is good enough to win that matchup, but I do think it's, you know, a slight ding to his, um, you know, fantasy value this week.
0: At least with it being Saturday, we can see if he gets one of those pregame hamstring injuries and doesn't end up playing. (laughs) Packers wide receivers, Jared, it's finally time for you to talk up Dontavian Wicks, as everybody's been waiting for. (laughs) Right
1: now, we're assuming Christian Watson and Jaden Reed are not going to play. Both guys did not practice on Wednesday. So if that's the case, it's my guy Dontavian Wicks and and Romeo Dobbs, who I think are going to be pretty much every snap player's for the Packers. And the Packers have been kind of, you know, when all these guys have been healthy, they've been kind of rotating. So, like, you know, none of these guys have been playing, you know, at like close to every single snap. So uh, that's definitely noteworthy. And then, so Dontavian Wicks, he leads Packers wide receivers with 2.0 yards per out run this season. Jaden Reed's at 1.71, Christian Watson, 1.56, Romeo Dobbs, last among these four at 1.27. And if you look at targets per route runs, you know, who's just drawing looks when they're on the field, Jaden Reed leads the Packers at 23%, but then you have Dontavian Wicks tied with Christian Watson at 20% ahead of Romeo Dobbs at 18%. So, you know, if if it's Dobbs and Wicks as, you know, these two full-time guys, I think they're both in play as wide receiver threes. I prefer Dontavian Wicks though. Um, Again, the matchup's not ideal. We talked about it with Jordan Love. Like it's probably not a high volume game the Packers, but I, I think there will be enough to go around to, you know, get Wicks, you know, five, six, seven targets. And again, be it, be a usable wide receiver three.
0: Uh, looking at who's around him in our PPR rankings right now, I would play Jackson Smith and Jigba over Dontavian Wicks. I'd probably end up playing Tyler Boyd a little bit higher than where we have him, but I hate everybody behind Josh Downs. So (laughs) like, if you want to, I, my first idea in looking at it is Octavian Wicks at wide receiver 34. That's nuts. And then I look at the guys behind him and I'm like, Oh, it's not that crazy at all. Odell Beckham, I think is one guy in that range that I would take a shot on. And, you know, everybody's going to hate Gabe Davis at this point, but that's another player that I would take a shot on knowing full well that I could get a zero, but in a range where, everybody could potentially give me a zero i can't help you with gabe davis i mean i
1: i tweeted he, he's he's posted a goose egg in three of his four games under joe brady then he's you know he went over 100 yards in the other one jsn i think i'm with you i probably lean towards him over don'tavian wicks we can make that change in the rankings but you know that's still leave you don'tavian wicks as your you know wide receiver 35 for the week so he's think mean, he's still definitely in play for for a lot of people
0: Gabe Davis is either going to give you nothing or give you wood in any given week. The Panthers matchup that we've talked about for passing, just to add a little bit more context, they have allowed the fourth fewest PPR points to wide receivers this season. And that includes big games from Mike Evans, Tyree Kill, and Justin Jefferson. Those three yeah. single wide receiver performances have accounted for 22% of the wide receiver PPR points scored against Carolina. So the numbers get even lower. It's a matchup where you play your studs, but it's been negative for everybody else overall. Let's move on to the defenses to close this out. We'll talk week 16 first, because that's where we are, Jared. And there are a number of like streaming type or non-obvious defenses near the top of our rankings this week. I think Bills, Broncos, Packers, Bears, Colts, all those are teams that could be available in a given league. All are inside the top nine in our rankings, and I feel pretty good about all of them this week.
1: Yeah, for sure. I mean, you get you know the Bills against Easton Stick, um, the Chargers are implied for 16 points. You get Denver against Bailey Zappi and the Patriots, they're implied for, for 14 points. The Broncos are at home for that game, which we like. I think Philly's probably the controversial one, the, the more debatable defense, and yeah, I'm not going to argue that they're a good real-life defense at this point. They're, they've been bad lately. Tommy DeVito, in his five starts, here's the number of sacks he's taken, five Nine six zero against Green Bay somehow, and then seven last week. Um, and, that, and that's despite averaging just twenty six point six pass attempts per game across those five starts. Now you have the Giants twelve point underdogs in Philly this week, so Devito might have to throw up more. I just think the Eagles are an excellent sack bat, and I don't think the Giants are going to you know put up you know twenty four plus points against them. They actually the Giants have the second lowest implied total on the week at fifteen point two five.
0: Yeah, I mean, the sack upside is obviously there. The Eagles defense is just so bad at this point. I like them less than what our rankings do this week. They just allowed 20 to drew lock without forcing a turnover in that game. Um, They allowed 33, 42, 34 to better offenses over the previous three. You know, you mentioned the run defense being worse. So even if Tommy DeVito's not doing it, maybe it's Saquon Barkley doing it this week. So there's upside. But they could also get five sacks and still allow 22 points and and just not be a a worthwhile D in this one. Looking ahead to week 17, another reason that I like the Colts even a little bit more versus where they are in our rankings is Mm -hmm. you can get them against Atlanta this week and then play them again against the Raiders next week. And the Colts have been putting up big fantasy points lately. I would recommend if they're on your waiver wire, checking their game log in your specific format to see just how many points they've scored because it's probably a lot more than you realize.
1: Yeah, it was it was more than I
0: realized uh, before
1: looking at it on Tuesday. So I, yeah, I think the Colts are, are a decent option. Two options that are playable this week: the Bills we talked about. They're home for New England next week, so you know they might be our top ranked defense next week. I don't know. We'll have to go through all the, the matchups. So they'll, they'll be the Bills will be a strong play next week. Um, Chicago, who is in play this week against Arizona, gets Atlanta next week. So So, So those are two defenses. If they're still available, you can use them this week or next week. Um, The Rams, who I know we've talked about quite a bit over the last month, they get the Giants next week. You know, they get the Tommy DeVito-led Giants next week. And then I think Jacksonville, you know, the Panthers are another team we've talked about, you know, starting defenses against Panthers because they're not going to get to 20 points. Um, So I think the Jags are a decent week 17 option.
0: Yeah, no lock to get to 10 points in a given week. So a high floor yes. matchup there. Check out the updated rankings at draftsharks.com. See who moves by kickoff. Make sure you get the latest version of our expectations for the week. Use your free agent finder to determine who the best available options are in your specific league. Maybe we didn't name a defense that's actually available to you and you still need one. So go ahead and check. The free agent finder knows exactly who is available in your league. Check the week ahead rankings. We've got week 17 rankings on the site. Right now, you can get ahead of your league's waivers for next week. Grab that defense before others in your league are trying to do so. And if you're out of the playoffs at this point, but still listening or watching here, you obviously still care about fantasy and dynasty. We've got more dynasty stuff up on the site now, including an update of our dynasty rankings, which happens constantly throughout the season, as well as a fresh dynasty spotlight, looking at this class of rookie running backs, thinking about who you should maybe buy, maybe sell or hold on just to see what happens in 2024 and beyond all of it. We want to help you win this week. We want to help you win your season and we want to just help you win year after year.